Welcome back to the Recovering SJMR podcast. This podcast delves into the lives and the stories of people who once associated with Sovereign Grace churches. We discuss heavy topics such as abuse and spiritual trauma, so viewer discretion is advised. We will also share stories of victory and the freedom we have experienced after leaving Sovereign Grace Ministries. If you have any questions or want to share your story, please contact us at recoveringsgmer at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Liam with us. Say hello, Liam. Hi everyone. And we have Jono as well. Hey, what's good? Oh my gosh. Um, I am so excited that you're finally on the podcast, Liam. You've been one of the people I've been really looking forward to talking to on here. Cool. Um, do you want to start out just kind of like giving a little background of where church you were a part of and all that? Yeah, so I grew up in Maryland. Um, I was part of basically the mothership of Sovereign Grace Ministries. <laughs> Um, Covenant Life Church from 1993 until around 2013. Were you bur- were you born into it? No, I actually came into it at around five years old. What um, do you remember? Be do you remember uh, before that? Were you guys a part of any church? So my mom became a Christian around when I was three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started going to something called Open Door in Michigan, okay. from what I recall. And then we moved to Maryland when I was five, which is when my mom was asking for a church community. And gotcha. someone referred her to Covenant Life. And also uh, another church down the road, my mom tried both and decided Covenant Life was where the, she, she felt most at home. Gotcha. Um, Things almost were so different. <laughs> Oh, well, but then you wouldn't be on here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then, so you got out what, um, you said you were, when did you get out? 2013? Around 2013. And then what, um, what led you to officially leave? Basically, it was either my sanity or trying to live for, trying to make, my family, my church family, happy by staying in the church yeah. and conforming to their beliefs. Yeah. So I basically left for my sanity, my well-being. And then was it um, how was it pretty hard, like the first couple of years that you were out, or did you like immediately feel very at peace with leaving and better? Am well, I better? So. For me, leaving was kind of difficult because my parents were still attending and I was refusing to go. Um, And I lived under their roof at the same time. Right, Um, because you were an adult at this point, right? Yes, I was. Okay. Between the ages of 22 to 25, I started slowly pulling away from the church because I was having more and more anxiety from attending services I would literally start having like a tightness in my chest once worship started Mm -hmm. and I would have to leave the auditorium to, you know, catch the breath and relax and sort Mm -hmm. of get back to normal. And that would happen every Sunday. So eventually I stopped going to Sunday services because I just couldn't breathe. Yeah, that's, I had the same issue actually, like the whole year before I left. So, and it's such a bitch. I mean. And, that, and it's awful, too, because it's like, you you know, if you leave or if you start pulling back, then, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. And so it's just like such a between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. So at first it was like my parents telling me uh, that they wanted me to go to church with them. I said, I literally physically can't breathe when I'm in the building. Yeah. So they eventually started leaving me alone. And by 25, I was completely out of the church and not attending anything. Were you, um, 
were you still like close to them when you left or how did that go down? Like, did they just respect your wishes and that you were an adult at that point? Yeah. And I think they got tired of hearing me complain about every single message <laughs> and de- and like logically taking apart every message and, and, and ranting about how um, they are so anti-women, anti-feminist yeah. and anti-women's rights, all disguised under Christianity. Yeah. So I think they just got tired of me listening to me go, it is so wrong for them to say women don't have control over their own bodies. And why is my clothing choice, why does my clothing choice influence someone else's thoughts? Right. Why do I have to be more feminine when I don't Mm -hmm. feel that way? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, Maybe this is a good segue. Do you want to talk about like growing up? Um, and the, like h- how you, Id- uh, how you identify and stuff. I don't know. I don't want to give too much away that you don't want to say, but yeah. so, um, I am basically a transgender man who, yeah. um, hasn't started any hormone therapy yet due to mm-hmm. some medical issues that I have to get cleared on first. Plus uh-huh. health insurance. Um, yeah. and then um i initially came out at 25 as gay um Mm -hmm. so for people who don't know being transgender means i was born female and now i identify as male um and so when i when i growing up in um covenant life i didn't have like a frame of reference to describe how i was feeling yeah. As early as eight years old, I was very conscious of the fact that I wanted to grow up and be a boy so that girls would like me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then by the time middle school hit and like my body started developing all its secondary yeah. characteristics, I was so uncomfortable. I tried to hide every single feature on my chest. Um, yeah. And I was successful up to a certain point when I started getting to be a, around a B cup is when mm-hmm. my relatives started noticing and they're like, oh, we have to get you a bra. And I'm like, really? I don't, uh, I don't want it. I hate it. And by yeah. the time I got my first bra, I was already starting to have periods. And you can imagine yeah. the, the, the turmoil, the depression, the gender dysphoria that yeah. all that led to. But I didn't know what gender dysphoria was. Transgender people did not exist at Covenant Life. Right. Do you want to, we probably will have people listening that don't know what that is. So do you want to explain what gender dysphoria is? Yeah. So basically it is where your body doesn't match how you feel about your gender identity. And mm-hmm. it causes a lot of emotional, mental pain, mm-hmm. to put it in simple terms. I mean, I would just imagine it's just like, is there like a lot of like self-hatred that goes along with that, I would imagine? So for me, everyone's dysphoria, for me, it is centered around my chest and my voice. Okay. Um, I don't like photos being taken of me because... Mm-hmm. You know, I I still look pretty, I don't know, it's 50-50. Sometimes I look very male, other times I look very female. Yeah. Because I don't have, I can't grow facial hair. I don't have enough testosterone in my body yet. Right. My chest is still too large for my own comfort. I look Mm -hmm. in the mirror and I, I, it's just some days I just don't see me. Right. And that's been when that started around puberty, you said? Yeah. So I was wearing yeah. extremely baggy clothing. I was refusing to wear dresses. Um, was that an grow issue up. growing up? I mean, I would imagine the baggy clothing not, but. Well, I would grow a fit because my mom said, you don't look nice. You look grungy. You look dirty. You oh. look messy. Oh, no. Um, and, and there was a big push for me to be more feminine because, you know, you want to attract a husband being born female. Yeah. You want to attract a husband. You want to grow up and be a wife and a mother. So to do that, you needed to look pretty. Yeah. 
but you've got to attract a husband without causing him to stumble somehow. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck purity culture. <laughs> yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Oh my yeah, gosh. Because, you know, spaghetti straps showing that shoulder. <laughs> Can you imagine if I get top surgery and start running around topless without oh my therapy? No. <laughs> that would cause some, um, that would cause us. You, you said when you were 25, you came out as gay. When did you kind of realize, hey, this whole assigned female at birth thing is the issue, like, and understand that and start to transition? So it was kind of a long process from understanding my sexual orientation to um, figuring out my gender identity. Mm-hmm. At first, do you want to explain what the difference is between those two? So, sexual orientation is who you're attracted to. Gender identify, mm-hmm. gender identity is what you identify as. Okay, thanks. Um, and um, so, for me, the first step was acknowledging that I was attracted to women, mm-hmm. which was like a huge thing in Sovereign Grace. You don't do right. that. Same sex attraction is what it was dubbed. And it was thought to be a temptation to be fought, something to be prayed that God would help mm-hmm. you overcome. Yeah. Um, they even had me like go see a counselor who blamed my same-sex attract- attraction on sexual abuse that I don't even think happened. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Mm. I'm assuming that's a that was a sovereign grace pastor. No, it was actually oh. a counselor that Covenant Life Church brought in to speak to members, and she was a oh. biblical counselor that we would meet mm-hmm. in the church offices. And my pastor at the time um, had me go see her after I was like, "Look, I don't know what to do about this. I know I'm attracted to women." And he's like, yeah, well, that's same-sex attraction, and that's a sin, so you can't pursue that. Right. Just basically in simple terms. that's it, It's wrong. You need to repent. You need to seek God. You need to. That it's just a lifestyle and that you can change it. I think yeah. it's kind of like it was, how it was, would they think of it. It was more deemed as a choice yeah, and a lifestyle exactly. than it was as, like, it's something you can't help, like people you know ask how do you know you're gay and i'm like how do you know you're straight yes i think that's the easiest way to say it because some people still don't understand it and it's like okay well then when was the first time that you knew you were attracted to you know a heterosexual uh, like when did you know that yeah and they yeah this is so stupid so i always i came out as gay never a Mm -hmm. lesbian because lesbian never seemed to fit me somehow i didn't know why so i first came out as attracted to women and then as i learned more about the lgbtq community i was Uh like wait the term is lesbian but i don't feel like a lesbian like i am uncomfortable with that phrase right there and i didn't know why yeah so then i was like the term gay as someone attracted to the same sex attra- in that context describes me better maybe mm-hmm. even queer and i'm like gay queer what's the difference mm-hmm. and i was like okay so i'll come out as gay to everyone yeah my family had a huge problem with that and like the church had like when i started coming out as gay and I started talking to my care group they were all like oh we'll pray for you and then at at a certain point they all just were like okay enough is enough already yeah you haven't gotten over it already you're never gonna get over it kind of attitude and they sort of Mm -hmm. just I just stopped going to care group after a while (laughs) yeah no low key though I mean that's kind of true like at least they realized hey this isn't going anywhere yeah and but their response being well then fuck off that's pretty raw yeah, and then um, for me, it was like what is what especially hurt was two people who I considered my best friends sort of were like, oh, we can't talk to you about this anymore because it's causing us temptation. What? What is? What? I I. Don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> like, there is causing them to be angry or something? That that it's or their temptation to, to stumble. One of them was like, oh, does that mean you're attracted to me? 
Right. No. Just because I like women doesn't mean I'm attracted to every woman. Woman, Exactly. And just like, you know, you're attracted to your attracted to. You're not attracted to everybody. Exactly. I mean, unless you're polyamorous, which is legit. Are polyamorous people attracted to everyone, though? No. I don't think that's what that means. No, Poly- it, it yeah. just means that they love multiple people at once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Back to this biblical counselor deal. So you're saying you went and saw this person and they said, oh, you must have been abused because you're gay. Yeah. But you hadn't been abused. No. You just made that up? Not that I can recall. I also do think, um, because this just kind of triggered like a memory, I don't really hear this. Well, I'm not in the scene anymore, so I don't know if they still say this, but I feel like um, I heard a lot in Sovereign Grace people, like when someone would come out as pretty much it was just gay people at that time i don't really think um i ever knew of anyone who's transgender i don't know but anyways when anyone would come out they would automatically be like oh well that person was definitely sexually abused as a kid because that just makes sense yeah where it was just kind of like a given and it was like well you know now maybe they don't say that i have no idea but i just that's kind of strange that that was kind of just their mentality yeah it's like an if this happened then that or if right. you are gay then you were sexually abused as a child and there are plenty of straight people who have been abused so. exactly it's just ridiculous um and <laughs> then they had me see someone who claimed to be ex-gay and it was now married to a man <gasps> and very happy in marriage and she prayed for me met with me once a week she was about 20 years older so I had a quote unquote ex gay mentor. Oh wow. Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> Did you fuck her? <laughs> but yeah. Was she wait, was she a part of CLC? Yes. So how long did you meet with her? About a month and a half before I started. Oh, okay. So it was short lived. Yeah. <laughs> I, I met with the counselor maybe three times and a month and a half with the ex gay member quote-unquote ex-gay right and um then i was like fuck it this isn't working i am getting so depressed that i'm yeah i finally racked up enough courage to write a letter to my dad that says i choose to live but you have to either choose me or choose not to have me yeah wow i literally had to draw a line in the sand i'm like you're either gonna have me or you won't i choose to live so i'm out yeah, how did how did he react to that? Honestly, his response was amazing. He's like, "You're my child." Were did you ever go through any? I mean, I don't know if that would be considered conversion therapy. Would it be? I mean, in a way, it is kind of because uh-huh. they had the same rhetoric, the same okay. methods, but they didn't go to the extreme of like sending me away to a camp or some strange household i mean i guess that's good but still that's that's interesting about the rhetoric i guess that makes sense that seems just as damaging yeah the rhetoric was the exact same as the uh ex-gay movement um yeah but the methods might have deferred a little bit so i guess they counted as some kind of conversion therapy but not an extreme yeah more mild form what is your take on the whole ex-gay people like do you think because there is that movement it's like of christians is it called i don't think it's called ex-gay movement but i don't know what it's called Um, but do you like what do you think about that so my take on that is that it's a bunch of bullshit yeah people who are either bisexual claiming Mm -hmm. that they're ex-gay now because they found of the opposite sex or they're a bunch of People who have internalized homophobia and they're so, trying so hard to conform to the street yes. norm that uh, is in church. Right. Didn't that recently, didn't that? Um, one of the founders or one of yes. the main guys came out as like saying, look, I'm gay. I'm sorry for the harm I've caused. I am actually yeah. really gay and it can't be changed. He yeah. was like the one who did the conversion therapy, he right? His name is McCray Game. What? McCray? No, wait. Yeah. 
Lucrae? Micrae. M-C-K-R-A-E. And he was one of the people that popularized the conversion therapy? Yeah, it was a South Carolina-based conversion therapy. Just starting to say, uh, so the McCray dude, and then the whole thing about the gay conversion deal was, and then you cut off. Oh, yeah. The whole deal with that is that a bunch of people are just trying to suppress their 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 homosexuality due to inter- internalized homophobia mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I give my parents major props for not, you know, disowning me, bucking mm-hmm. the trend. Um, and they literally... Um, we're like, you're our child, we'll love you, and no matter what, but we pray to God that you'll come back, right? Right, um, that but- qualified that must have been kind of tough. Well, honestly, it was better than being disowned, right? Straight up. <laughs> Straight and being up. kicked out of my house, yeah. Um, it also came at a time of great turmoil in my family where we were dealing through a lot of issues unrelated to my coming out. Gotcha. Um, and um, we, we, you know, we were navigating a lot of things and my parents were learning how to treat us as adults rather than children at that time. Um, were you pretty depressed? Um, oh yeah, majorly. Were you like ever suicidal? Um, I contemplated multiple times and I was like, yeah, you know, would it cause my parents more pain for me to be gay or for me to be gone? Yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. let me, let me lay out the choice to them. So, um, I'm a, I'm a, I, I go to extreme logic sometimes <laughs> when I'm extremely depressed and I'm like, if, if. There, ha- I like my brain was like logically there has to be something more to life than this. Mm-hmm. I know of a couple of family members who are gay and they seem happy. So, what would my parents want? A dead yeah. child or a gay child? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, look, I am going. I am choosing to live, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to give my parents the choice to have me in their life or not have me in their life right right i mean that seems like i mean i i hate that qualifying factor but i mean that is pretty bigger than i feel like too because that is not typically i think what a lot of parents would have done at the time in sober grace you know no um considering this was 2010 to 2013 yeah started this process of coming out um because I do call it a process. It wasn't a huge aha moment. It was yeah. definitely a process of me becoming okay with my sexuality. Um, and uh, me telling my parents about it and being like, like I told them initially, like with my, with past or present, I, I like women. Mm-hmm. Now it, it's like, okay, I'm in a solid relationship with a woman for the past three and a half years. Mm-hmm. It's kind of there. You can't deny the fact. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so I give my parents major props for that because they bucked the trend at, at Covenant Life um, mm. where gay children just disappeared. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's so and, sad. I don't know why yeah. this is like, yeah, matter of fact, like, what the fuck? And then later on, you, you, I, I found out a few of them were like, I found a few of them on Facebook later. And I was like, oh, my God, there you are. Um, and, and I remember some families just being like majorly like ostracized and disciplined at Covenant Life because their child was gay. And I'm like, this is something we literally cannot help. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Have you seen a trend in like the evangelical church? Um recently because i feel like i have in this area at least where they've come to terms with okay being um gay is not a choice or being lgbtq yeah yeah, it's not a choice it's not necessarily lifestyle um but you need to so that is 
that it, it's only a sin if you act out sexually, I guess. So then in their mind, you just be celibate your whole life and that's fine. I don't really know. Have you seen that? So my mom kind of went through that whole thing where like, it's wrong to be gay. Then she was like, it's okay if you're gay and celibate. Yeah. It's okay to be gay in a relationship with someone, but it's more like a partnership without sexuality involved. <laughs> oh, that's, that okay. makes sense. Well, that's, that's, that's where she got to that point when I first started dating my current, my now fiance. Gotcha. That's the point at where she's at. Now she's like, oh, well, okay, this can work. Yeah. Hmm. But it's kind of like the elephant in the room that no one talks about is the fact that we are actually in a legitimate relationship. Right. <laughs> but we're there together in my house eating dinner. So it's kind of like the unspoken, like, hey, we're just going to assume that you guys aren't hitting it and we're not going <laughs> to ask like a weird yeah. thing. It's like, okay, you guys are quote unquote roommates to everyone else that we talk oh, to. Oh, of course. Yes, the roommates. I mean, even though we uh, share a bed and everything. <laughs> bed mates. Yeah. Oh, my so God. So now my parents are like, okay, it's a fact that you're in a relationship with a woman. Yeah. For now, it came to the trans stuff. And the way I discovered it actually was through my fiancé. How? What do you mean? I... I she just saw the way that my face lit up when we went out in public and people called me sir. Oh. And really? gentlemen and other stuff. Because apparently I pass more than I think I do until I open my mouth and I sound like a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, either that. Well, you're really or- athletic too, right? Because you do exactly. all that. I have yeah. a very slim boyish build. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of a blessing and a curse because TSA asked me three times in the past year if I was under the age of 13. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. You do look really young. I mean, you don't look 13 young, but... <laughs> Asian don't raisin. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have like the opposite problem. Yeah, he looks like 50. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, not 50. Call yourself a mature man. Yeah, yeah I was like buying cigarettes at... 15 for all of my friends and oh my goodness yeah but yeah so i i mean tsa always thinks i'm a teenage boy for so it's kind of a blessing that i can pass as male albeit a very young one yeah (laughs) not enough age one not a legal one yeah so i can definitely pass as male it's just you know my voice and chest, like I said, that really give me away as not being born male. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk at all about um, transitioning or surgery at all? Or For female to male, transgender men um, or transmasculine people, um, transition usually involves hormone replacement therapy, um, mm-hmm. which is a dose of testosterone um, injected, I don't know how often, I I think it's weekly, Um, and it involves top surgery, and then you can choose whether or not to have bottom surgery. Gotcha. As of right now, eh, I'm up in the air about bottom surgery, because... It, it's just not where I would like it to be. <laughs> yeah, that makes I mean, from everything I read about it, I think that totally makes sense. How it's pretty, um, insurance doesn't really cover it though, right? It depends on which insurance you have. I oh. don't have health insurance right now, oh, um, but more and more insurance companies are starting to cover transgender um, related surgeries. Oh, called gender confirmation surgery. Okay. Um, That's good. I didn't know that. Yeah, there are more people, more insurance companies are starting to cover it because it has been recognized as um, a mental health. If you have, if if you're transgender, you have gender dysphoria, which leads to issues surrounding your body. Not to be that guy, but I, I kind of, I kind of suspect that whenever, like, 
insurance companies start covering various things or not. I think you didn't get closer. It's not likely that it's a moral decision or a like a human cost considered decision. My guess is that some actuary somewhere in a room has said, hey, gender confirmation surgery and hormone replacement costs this much annuitized over the projected lifespan versus, you know, all of the mental health care, physical maladies that, you know, the the payoff is there yeah. in terms of the lifetime health care costs of a patient. Um, like it's Definitely. a dollars and cents, not a moral equation. Well, that's how it all is. Same yeah. thing with addiction. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you can, if you can do a treatment to help someone's symptoms lessen, why wouldn't you? Yeah. How much is it um, to pay out of pocket if you don't have insurance? Um, for top surgery, seven thousand to ten thousand dollars. Seriously. Um, because it's, it's considered a double mastectomy with, wow. uh, with nipple grafts if you choose to keep your nipples. Oh, interesting. I actually did get a quote. It's, it would be $7,734 and some odd cents, mm-hmm. um, cost of renting out the surgery room from the surgery center, consultation fees, uh, breast cancer screening test for about 200 bucks. Jeez. So. It's all these costs um, if you pay out of pocket. Um, on top of that, I would have to get a letter th- from a therapist diagnosing the gender yeah. dysphoria. And since I don't have insurance, a visit to a therapist can cost around $150. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it would take a consistent six months of therapy for me to get that letter. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and hormones usually... I've heard that usually if you're on hormones, it makes the doctors more comfortable with doing the surgery, but I haven't been able to get on hormones yet because I have, I am in a clinical trial and they want my baseline to remain the same wow. while I'm in the clinical trial. Are there, I think we talked about this once, but there are like, um, nonprofits to help with that, but it's very, it's hard to it's get in, right? Yeah, it's very hard to get a grant or an award to help with surgeries. Oh, wait. I came out as trans to my family last... I want to say I showed up at my... You'll you'll find this funny. I showed up at my brother's wedding. The way I came out as trans to my family, I showed up at my brother's wedding at Solid Rock Church, which was the sister church of Covenant Life in Maryland, mm-hmm. in a suit and short hair <laughs> with a really nice fade. Nice. And I had let my brother know beforehand, hey, look, I identify as male. I there is no way in hell I am ever going to be a bridesmaid again. <laughs> oh, don't ask. You don't have to make me a groomsman oh, yeah. because I know that might cause a fuss with your wife to be's family because they're involved in solid rock. Oh. Um Curtis, uh, what's his, Curtis Allen was their pastor that married. Oh, and the funniest part, I showed up to this church and they made me a greeter at the door. And I was the one saying, hey, sign this because it's my brother's wedding. Oh my gosh. And I had a guy literally that I went to college with walk up to me and say, you look familiar. You look <laughs> like, you look like your brother. Like, do I know you from somewhere? He's like, how are you associated with your brother? I'm like, I'm family. Big oh, smile. That's but hilarious. So many people there that I had either gone to college with, gone to youth retreats with, gone to new attitude with, and they did not recognize me. How was the reaction? Did you did so did you tell them who you were? No, I didn't tell them anything, but I literally looked like I was my brother's cousin. I think I've seen that picture on Facebook. And you guys do look a lot alike. Um, that was taken at his wedding reception. Gotcha. But he was really funny. And then my dad was like, why are you wearing that? <laughs> What'd you I say? Just and went, I just looked at them and shook my head and said, I am more comfortable in this than you'll ever know. That's awesome. <laughs> 
And then we had a conversation about surgery and stuff. And he was concerned about my medical issues. And uh, and I, I basically assured him that I've been talking to the doctors at the National Institutes of Health where the clinical trial is being conducted and that they don't see a problem with me transitioning. And then I had to tell them all over again this past December and be like, look, this is happening. I am going by Liam. Please don't call me by my old name, yeah. my pronouns he him and i am i am three decades into my life i don't need to be told how to live my life basically here here and so do they refer to you with your pronouns and as liam unfortunately not my uh, mom yeah. is liam my dad still refers to me as my birth name for the most yeah. part um but my mom still introduces me as her daughter and uses female pronouns but you said she does call you liam yes huh that was that was kind of like well wasn't your parents the same way um no so i have i have a, a transgender brother and it it was like for a very brief time kind of a oh hey you know dead naming type of a situation but then there was a period where it was just honestly, uh, you know, if if you're, you know, 20 years into knowing someone, uh, even making an effort, sometimes you slip up, you know, like, oh, yeah, not not intentionally, like, I'm just going to misgender you on purpose to your face. But like, I, oh, shoot, I mean, sorry, he I thought it took a while, though, for your parents to kind of come around. It did, but th there was also, there was, there was like a, similarly came out as a lesbian and then yeah, very married similar. to a woman and then got divorced from that woman due to the transition. So there's, there's a whole lot of, like, it was a long rolling transition. Yeah. So for me, I started, I, I, my initial visit to the pastor was literally nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And only last year was I comfortable saying, I am transgender. I am a transgender man. And yeah. I am proud of it. Yeah, that, wow. So sometimes I feel like running back into covenant life, waving the trans flag, the the gay flag, and uh, yes. <laughs> like blasting music that's gay as hell and being like making out with my girlfriend in the lobby. <laughs> Maybe you could call Josh and he can come with you. <laughs> right? Can we, can we like kidding. hand out rainbow donuts or something? <laughs> yes, get those rainbow donuts. Get the donuts and make the yeah. gay spread. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. Uh, are they still covenant life, even though they're not in Sovereign Grace anymore? I mean, is it pretty much the same? I wouldn't know because when they left Sovereign Grace, gotcha. I left Covenant Life. I was like, Peace okay, gotcha, out. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I, I can't support the systemic abuse. I cannot support the stance on, on homosexuality. I can't support homosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them giving messages about like how God's design yeah. for marriage. I looked on their website recently and they still have stuff about God's design for marriage being between a man and a yeah. woman. And I'm like, this is a done conversation already. Can we just yeah. move on? But um, it doesn't seem like their doctrine has changed. That's what all I would imagine. Much. I mean, I don't even know any of the pastors. They have their token Asian. They have the token <laughs> black man. And that's pretty much it. And all the rest were okay, white dude. guys. Okay, so let's talk about real fast. So 25 years in the father's hands, since oh we both God. love that. Okay, do you remember that super racist skit in it where it was like talking about, it had like all the token, I don't know, there's probably a black dude and I think there was an Asian person in the skit. And they were talking about like coming to America. Yeah. Thank you for coming to see Elsie. We we love something in diversity. That's so <laughs> And they were singing in weird random accents and they were like, wait, half yes! you born American? You're fake. It was so dead. racist. I made him watch it like a couple years ago. <laughs> and he was like, oh my Whoa. Gosh. 
that whole 25 year thing about covenant life was so So were you there for that and now i listen to broadway music and i'm like oh god why do i remember words from this fucked up musical that they made celebrating so were you there for that when it happened uh yes i was was. the reaction in the room kind of like what the fuck is this this is not cool this is very culty and weird no the reaction in the room was like well yeah because they the reason i obviously didn't grow up in clc and the reason i've seen it is because they loved that place so much they sent it to every pastor in sovereign grace so we got the DVD of it, and then we would just watch it all the time. It was so bizarre. I don't know why I was so obsessed with it. I watched it a lot because I had a crush on Is it this person play. that we were talking about? Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. It was someone else. No, I had a few crushes of people on people <laughs> yeah. in the play. Do you want to tell anyone? I professor mean, love or anything? No, he doesn't have to. No, I had, I had a wonderful fiance who was that's right, that's supportive right. of me. And she was the one who helped me become comfortable with my Hell gender yeah. identity. Okay, but can we talk about that one guy? Starbucks Star Star the guy? Yeah, I hope he's listening. <laughs> I don't I don't really feel comfortable saying his name, but yeah. If you played the Starbucks barista, you are like um a celebrity on our on our closed page. <laughs> so my right? first exposure to this nonsense was after we were married and Katie was like oh we have to watch this how have you never seen it and I was I mean it was hard to keep me in that room she kept saying like no don't leave and I was just like trying to break things I had a very visceral reaction of like this is not okay and creepy and culty well see that's what everyone didn't realize was watching it but how well here's the thing I mean that is nothing movies? compared to that one video on YouTube about like the CJ, CJ, whatever that one, where they're basically worshiping him. Yeah. They are worshiping him. That was, I think that was a preview <laughs> to the 25th anniversary yeah, performance. That was or we don't normally, we don't usually do this, but they're going to break off a little preview of the remix <laughs> to Ignition. And I was just like, oh my God, what uh-huh. in the world? I love that you know it because I could never talk to anyone else about it because no one I knew had seen it. But no, so CLC school, what was your experience like there? It's like I was on the fringes. I really didn't feel accepted. I was constantly sick. I was made fun of. One of the kids in my class was especially cruel and had a nickname for me that, you know, kind of mm-hmm. hurt. And I, I kind of ignored it all and managed to graduate with above an A average because I took nice. AP courses. When I was finally out. I, I I don't know if you ever saw old pictures of me, but I had waist length hair throughout high school. Last day of high school, I got I made the excuse to cut my hair short by saying I was donating <laughs> donating it to lots of love. So I got I went from waist length hair all the way like around my ears Love bob the, like the the week before i graduated everyone's like oh my god you look so different <laughs> and i feel like that was a little bit of me trying to express yeah. my gender identity even though i didn't what, right. what it was mm. i actually did a comparison photo and it really looks like i am the sibling to the person in the photo from 10 yeah, years yeah i didn't recognize you I, I yeah that's not surprising we may have crossed paths at new attitude in baltimore yes i think we talked about that i we probably did i mean i was outside smoking the whole time but i'm sure i saw you i think i passed by you guys and started coughing because yeah, i have asthma oh yeah <laughs> i was the shorter but extremely handsome dude you weren't there at that new attitude but uh, you guys probably crossed paths too i was at some i feel like i was at one in baltimore yeah i went to louisville the one in louisville i went to the one in baltimore and then i was like fuck orlando. dude orlando was where it was at there was a swim up bar people skinny dipped and we just sat outside and smoked a lot and then we did go to some of the sessions but there weren't like the those weird awkward small groups that they always tried to do and oh see I was, I was, I try, I was trying so hard to quote unquote behave myself and be a good little Christian girl at the time. So I wouldn't have had any (laughs) of that kind of fun. Yeah. I think a lot of people, that was the problem for a lot of people. I mean, she, oh, 
And then when I when I actually left Sovereign Grace Ministries in CLC, um, I started doing martial arts in 2010. And so it was kind of an easy transition out because my new family was my martial arts. So you didn't really necessarily miss that like close um, community that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. No, because I could literally punch my friends in the face. (laughs) Was that a good way to express your anger? Yeah, like I had so much anger built up in me from being forced to conform or else I was rejected. Um, I would literally beat a punching bag for bare knuckles for uh, and like with my shins and for like two hours straight until my knuckles were raw, my shins were bruised up. Yeah, so I was super angry at that time. And I took it out on the punching bag that my dad hung up in the garage. And then I was still semi going to CLC at the time. And then there were church families coming over who would say, oh, my God, that's like not feminine. And I don't want my girls learning that because God will protect them if it, in case anything hey, happens. Spoiler alert. He won't. I, yeah, I know. I looked at her and said, can't God use your skills as a martial artist to protect you in a circumstance? But it probably only if you have a penis, I think, though, right? Oh, yeah, because having a penis is totally the indicator yep. of whether or not you exactly. take martial arts. <laughs> so if you take martial arts as a yep. girl, quote-unquote girl, it is not part of biblical no. femininity because you have to rely on the men around you and God to Carolyn Mahaney would not approve, okay? Like, she was basically preaching that you just have to give it to your husband whenever he wants it because that's oh, yeah, your that's duty. So that is like, okay, to me that's really strange because I don't, I don't ever remember, I don't remember ever hearing that growing up. However, like that was more, I feel like the quiverful movement, which we didn't really, we weren't really a part of in our church. But then after I started that group, a lot of people said that that was basically taught. Like you, every time. Yeah, you have there, were, there was a whole series called they did a series, like yearly series on Proverbs 31 and Titus 2 and how to be a biblical woman. So like I was 17 years old and talking to one of the pastors who is not a pastor any longer saying, look, this is what I feel like I want to do with my life. I want to fight for human rights. I want to go to college. Yeah. What should I do? He goes, well, God as a woman, God is calling you to be a wife and a mother, so a college education would probably not oh. be worth it. Really? Yeah, pretty much worth no. it. I wonder, I hope that, like, some of them, like, I don't know, I've never really seen an apology from any of these people, but I wonder if, like, some of them realize that they are, they were really wrong and caused a lot of harm. You know what I mean? Not just, like, the head honchos, but the other pastors. I would like to Actually, hear an apology. It, do you want to go? Exactly. Do you want me to go through some of these questions that people asked on the group? Okay, oh yeah, um, for sure. Are I mean, I think it's safe to say you're you don't um you're not in church anymore. Um, uh, yeah, I am. So my beliefs right now are that there may be mm-hmm. a god, he, there may yeah. be a higher power, but I personally cannot believe in anything until i fully cleanse my system of what i've been raised yeah to believe. that's actually exactly how i feel I, I hadn't heard it put like that that's a good point so kind of like the terms i've seen this a lot on some different like sites um because i feel like now a lot of people just refer to like the lgbtqia plus community as um just like the queer community or a queer person whereas i feel like that used to be um, more of like a slur right? or derogatory name, you know? Uh, so as someone yeah. who's a straight person, like is, how do you, is it appropriate to say queer or is it still not really, that's not a good idea and to refer like to the whole community, like as the LGBTQ plus community? I honestly don't know, but my gut feeling is that straight people should not refer to anyone that identifies as LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. as queer. Let people in the community define themselves as queer. But if some, if like for me, I tell you I'm a queer trans man. Um, You could tell people that, that I identify as that. So it's okay for you to tell people that I identify as a queer trans man. Okay. Okay. That's my gut feeling. Other people in the community might feel differently because it's, quote unquote, a reclaimed word. 
I know. I guess when it started, when I realized a couple of years ago that it seemed like it was becoming more acceptable, I was so confused. Yeah. Like, I still kind of am a little confused because when I, my gut reaction when I hear that word is like, oh, people used to use that derogatorily. Derogatory? Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> so to me, I, w- yeah, that's why I, I don't know. I had seen someone on a, a Facebook forum discuss this and the, the reactions were really mixed. So I was like, well, I'd rather just be yeah. on the safe side and not. Uh, offend anyone okay so someone this was someone's question um how do you feel about someone ex quote unquote accepting their child but still holding the views that being um lgbtq is a sin like so then the reference a pastor except okay. somewhat being you know accepting a son not uh you know still being in his life but being very firm with, well, we don't believe that this is, you know. So I saw something perfect for this scenario. So if you have someone here that says, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin. It's exactly like someone saying, I ha- I love the believer. I hate Oh, yeah. I, did you? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I shared that on Facebook. And I'm like, that is like the perfect juxtaposition to get across to these people that what they're actually saying is, I hate, it's not really fair to say that you love the sinner, but you hate their homosexuality. I think it comes down to, well, they view it as a sin where I think majority of other people don't. So I think that's what it breaks down where it doesn't really um, add up. I don't know. It really doesn't, it, it kind of is like, it creates a dissonance in my head to say that you love someone, but you hate yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. For me, that's kind of like when when Katie is watching Teen Mom. That's a perfect example of I love you, but I'm going to go in the other room because I hate what you're doing right now. That's not something about who she is as a person. It kinda, yeah. It's like it would be like saying I love you, but I hate your hair yeah. color. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's a fundamental fact about you. So. Then conversely, right, there's the hypocrisy of it where you've got families where you've got, a, you know, a straight child who is, quote unquote, living in sin out of wedlock with an opposite sex partner. Right. And but in the in the SGM hierarchy, it's okay for someone to be in a state. It's more okay for someone to be in an opposite sex relationship. And quote unquote living in sin than it is for someone to identify as but gay. But it's also much more accepted as it's like, oh, well, they shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, I mean, I guess maybe part of the reason that it's so much more easily accepted by some of those people is just the idea that, like, oops, they, they made a strategic error or an error of timing in their overall scheme of like yeah down the road they can get married and legitimize that and we can all just forget that there was a time before they were married when they was hitting it well because that's just but in in contrast me being trans and me being in a quote-unquote same-sex relationship which uh i don't know how that would change once i you know get my paperwork designated Mm -hmm. male i don't know how that would change technically you'd be straight appearing but that's why i say i'm a queer trans man yeah, that this gets really confusing. I mean, if they're they're believing, yeah, it's just weird how the hierarchy of sin is is so strict in Sovereign Grace that I was like, how can a pedophile have their have their uh, sin forgiven? How can a, an abuser be allowed in the church, no holds barred, like given free reign to do whatever whatever the fuck they want in the church when? I'm getting ostracized for just yeah. being me. So for me, having someone tell me, oh, I love you, but I hate mm-hmm. your sin, what they dub as sin, that is just like saying me, like if anyone says that to me now, I'm going to be like, oh, I love you, but I hate your belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I hope we never have to hear that seriously again in our lives, but that's good to have in the yeah. back pocket. My love, but I hate his sense of fashion and his taste in pretty much everything but i don't go rubbing it in his face but there's a difference between hating something superfluous about someone that is that isn't a part of their identity yeah and even at that i'm not gonna just walk up to him and be like hey stupid hat and i hate your pants because that's just mean 
I think those things privately. Yeah, exactly. I take a picture, I send it to Katie, so and say, look at this stupid outfit. Uh, this person says, as a queer person, I'm a bisexual woman. Um, I think she's addressing the, the uh, Sovereign Grace or the church. Um, you're not going to make us yeah. feel less queer by shaming us for it. It isn't something we, quote unquote, struggle with, except for the fact that we that you've made a guilt complex around it. It took me years to break out of the guilt cycle that started when I was a preteen and gave me intense anxiety and shame. I dealt with it by repressing and denying myself, which isn't help, which isn't healthy at all. I've broken free of that needless guilt and accepted, embraced who I am. The only reason I'm not out is that I know if word gets back around to you, you'll reject me for what I am, what I was made to be, and what I have always been. You'd shame me and call me confused or misguided or sinful, which is not what the Jesus I spent so long reading about and searching for would do. If you actually want to reach LGBTQIA plus folks, try listening to us and loving us, not throwing us out on the doorstep. We don't need to be cured. We don't need to repent. And we sure as hell don't need to be made straight. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was just kind of like, I was asking yeah. her questions for um, the whole, like in uh, this podcast for what people wish the church, how the church would handle stuff. Yeah. That's very good because it's like, we don't, like when I first came out, the thing that I was struggling with was where do I fit in mm -hmm. this world? The community I grew up in just basically rejected me. Where do I yeah. fit? And that's, that's literally like why some people are afraid to come yeah, out. That Which why I threw myself headfirst into martial arts and started competing and just to get all that out. And then I found mm -hmm. a community that, accepted me for me based on my abilities and skills based on my de determination and per perseverance rather than based on things that they thought I should yeah do. is that what um that's actually my last question here is I mean we like we started all this so people can tell their stories and then also share how they've like healed and coped with leaving sovereign grace and leaving that life I mean it really sounds like the martial arts community was probably like your number one saving grace is there anything else that oh yeah you found um good um so literally it was pretty much solely the martial arts community that was my saving grace the mm -hmm. thing that helped keep me sane with all that craziness i was able to focus on something i call it my my therapy it's um it's a way for me to express my feelings physically because I have trouble forming communicating my emotions through words because I was always told to not trust my feelings in sovereign grace. Yes. Hmm. You're basically don't trust yourself because your your nature is sinful. Your heart well, is sinful above all else. Exactly. And so feeling that kind of way about myself led me to not be able to express my emotions. So I found it very healthy for me to go into martial arts. I was training 18, 20 hours a week, um, wow. competing multiple times a year. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions, Muay Thai, two Muay Thai fights. Um, my last, was in, last one was in May 2015. Um, but it, it enabled me to feel like I was more complete than ever before. I had a four pack of V-line. My calves were shredded. <laughs> you could see every muscle in my calves. I was looking good. How many muscles are there in a calf? I thought it was one muscle. <laughs> um, that means you haven't worked out. Like, my, literally, like, I was okay. working out 18, 20 hours, potentially more every week. Oh my gosh, I love it. Officially roasted. Okay. <laughs> Not working out enough, John. <laughs> you yeah. all have to visit me here in Phoenix and like I will run you through my cardio fitness workouts oh. in the morning. Yeah, I'm gonna have to not do that. We're gonna need like really basic beginner on that. So <laughs> looking for I a mean... workout that's slightly lower impact than getting out of bed. Ah! <laughs> what is um 
how can the church as a whole, well, churches that want to listen and change, how do you think they can um, treat the LGBTQ plus community better? Actively not telling people in the community that they are sinful because yeah. of who they are. Telling them that literally, like, it, go back to the Bible, read who Jesus actually is. And I like to say that Jesus would have been eating, going to pride parades, eating with uh, people in the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community, um, celebrating pride, throwing glitter with all the rest of yeah. us. I would say that the church would have to have to realize that according to their own theology, every human being, no matter what their sexual orientation or gender identity, was made in God's image and treat yeah. them as such. And that's <laughs> literally what it comes down to. Don't and like you can't judge how another person is made because literally God says not to judge mm -hmm. in the Bible. I think they really Only miss God that. Can judge. No. If you start judging, then fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Literally, because it's like, how dare you call a call, call yourself a Christian if you dare to judge someone from the LGBTQ community for who they are? Because only yeah. God can judge. What if, um, like, judge? Only God can judge. If there is a God, though. Yeah. So. So right. since these people believe in a God, I'm saying God can, is the only one who can judge. You cannot judge. You cannot speak for God. Only God can speak mm -hmm. to a person directly right. to their own theology. Yeah. What is the piece of advice that you would give someone if they're listening and they haven't come out or anything and are living, uh, not living, but, it, well, yeah, if they're involved in the evangelical church or sovereign grace as a whole, is there any piece of advice? That's a tough one because depending on circumstances, you may or may not be safe coming out. You have to find a safe situation, mm -hmm. a safe person to come out to, uh, maybe even like an extended family member or a friend at school who is obviously gay or knows someone who's gay or is mm -hmm. obviously an ally. What do you mean? Um, I don't think a lot of people would know what you mean. What do you mean it might not be safe? Um, so safe meaning like if if you come out, are you going to get yeah. abused by your parents? Are they going to take the door off your room and basically take all your possessions away and put you in, in some sort of remedial yes. behavior or yeah. stuff? Um, are they going to physically mm -hmm. punch you or beat you? the crap out of you because you're to be safe you need to know that you won't be physically yeah. harmed emotionally harmed mentally harmed mm -hmm. by coming out it's actually really sad that that you still happens to... like to me that seems like such a foreign thing but it does like, that yeah still happens every day. yeah there's literally videos of people like filming they're coming out and they oh. get punched jeez i don't there are, there are stories of people who have come out to their parents and their parents beat the crap out of them. Are there, um, if the person like doesn't have a safe person, is there an online resource that we could link in the episode notes to this? Trevor Project for anyone mm -hmm. who's transgender or suspecting that they are and needs to help figuring that out and figuring out what they can do to, you know, help relieve their depression. Yeah. So do you think when you meet someone or make an introduction, is should people start making it a point to either ask uh, preferred pronouns or assert themselves as hi like hi I'm Katie my pronouns or she her hers? I feel like that's kind of personally I find that extremely yeah. awkward. Um, personally, I'm just like hi I'm Liam yeah. and take that as you will. I drive Lyft and Uber sometimes, and people are like, oh, but I'm used to that being a boy's name. I look at them and I'm like, oh. Raise an eyebrow. Like, oh, but you are a boy. Interesting. <laughs> That's literally one one interaction I had. Hmm. So, you know, sometimes just by the way I look at people, I can just yeah. indicate like, really, you did just say that. That is crazy. Um. <laughs> okay. So okay, because I did. I didn't know. I saw this on another discussion, and a lot of people were saying. I think we might have talked about this a long time ago. That like it, it's yeah. someone was saying like it's up to the straight community to start normalizing asking pronouns or just asserting themselves saying pronouns or wearing the pins you know that say pronouns so guess what guess what in my part-time job that 
pretty much everybody on my team has their pronouns attached to their email signature. That's really cool. Yeah. So do you think that's less awkward if it's in a written form like that? Oh yeah. For me personally, it's a lot less awkward. Okay. And I think, I guess like with these things too, it probably depends on like, I think it's important for, um, straight people to be asking these kind of questions to people um that are open about it because i don't think i think a lot of the times we can put the emotional burden on marginalized people to help us which really we should be doing our own research but that's what i really admire you and appreciate you because you've been very open and i mean even ever since we started talking i feel like i can come to you ask you any type of question and you're very matter of fact and you're open yeah but not everyone's like that so and I think everyone's going to be different with their answers in the LGBTQ plus community you know not everyone is able to be open due to their circumstances which is key any last um well you know being out of uh CLC and sovereign coming to life church and sovereign grace ministries for the past four years of yeah. six years, actually, I've been out for about six years. I felt so much more emotional, mm-hmm. mental freedom. My body physically feels better. And it's just been a process of learning how mm-hmm. to be free, um, to experience what it really truly means to be fully human without the constraints of a religious institution and religious expectations. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know as you're even like talking about that, I'm like feeling my body like, Oh, just gets right. And yeah, it's so freeing. And I, I kind of feel like Mel, uh, Mel Gibson's character, Braveheart yelling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day I'll run through the world yes. topless with my top surgery done covered in the trans flag covers colors and yelling oh freedom gosh, yes. one day. So if anyone has any questions for Liam, if we are going to do another episode and go uh, a little more in depth and we'll have other people come on and share their stories about growing up um, LGBTQ plus in Sovereign Grace. So if anyone has questions, feel free to email the recovering SGMer at gmail.com or you can message me, but um and I can get them to Liam if he wants to answer them. And then we'll put some links below for people that need support. 